warning, this podcast contains exclusive, intrusive, and idiosyncratic details from two people's brains. One brilliant, one not so brilliant. Enter with caution as Fish and Chip present Why. Welcome to Why, uh, the second one, presented by Fish and Chip. I'm Chip Daly. That's Dan Fish over there, our new series where we ask the question, why? Why? For, for various things. Yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed episode one. Yes. Learning about hot dogs and the Mandela effect. Yeah. And buns, I should say. They can't forget the buns. <laughs> the buns. Lunge. Yep. And we remember, got- you can still follow us on Twitter at Fish and Chipod and catch us most places you get your podcast. Yes. And if you have a why question you want us to talk about, tweet it at us. I think our DMs are open if you would prefer to make it private. Yeah, you can slide into them if you want. Slide right on in. Squeeze on in. We got two more questions today. Mine's kind of a two parter one. Uh, mine kind of is two. It's uh, mostly one, but a, another one, just like another question just came to mind as I was researching it. Um, uh, again, biggest, I guess I'm diving a little into psychology again today. Psychology. Mine's a little more history today. Well, yeah, it was kind of like last time you were a little history with yeah. the hot dogs and bones. I guess that's, that's our uh, tendencies. Yeah, I like to explore the human mind and know why it works. Oh, Not nice. that I ever understand why. <laughs> That's why we're here, though. To I'll tell you why. what. After today's conversation, I, I still don't understand it. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> didn't, get a, didn't get a whole lot of, of uh, answers. Spoiler alert. But here we we're, go. We're in for a good one, then. All right. Let's dive in. All right. Let's this, dive in. This here is why. my question of the day. Why are yawns contagious? Hmm. You ever noticed uh, when somebody yawns, then a bunch of people around them start yawning? Normally? Yes. Well, I there's a psychology there's... factor into this that we're going to dive into, I think as well as can... why we even yawn in the first place. I think you can find uh, videos on YouTube, like say, try not to yawn. And that's just like two minutes of someone yawning. I got to tell you right now, I can almost guarantee since we're having a conversation about yawning, Chip, that you will yawn. Oh, I, I already know. I can already feel it building up. <laughs> I know. I've, I was feeling it when I was researching it, too. But uh, it might have a, more of an effect since I'll be talking to you because that is part of the reasons why it's contagious. Oh, boy. I'm, I'm we'll, already we'll explain fighting later. one back, dude. <laughs> I know. So, much. All right. so here's a little, little trivia to start the day. The average adult yawns how many times per day? What would you feel? Six. Higher. 12. Higher. Uh, I don't, well, I'm going to stick to my sixes and go to 18 then. 20 times per day. Really? 20 times a day? I feel like I don't. Maybe I do. I don't know. Yeah. And when you feel a yawn coming on, it can be nearly impossible to suppress. Impossible. Kind of like a sneeze. Um, you know, I think if this is averages for yawns, my, my yawn rate when I was in school was probably a lot higher than really high. Now. Yeah. <laughs> I know I can remember. <laughs> so yeah, I suppose 20, it was 20, 20 for the average adult, average adult. Oh, hmm. so 18 senior year, but you don't college. get up when you get up whenever you want though in the morning. <laughs> that helps. <laughs> wow. It does. <laughs> I wake up with a kid and I yawn all morning. Yeah, I suppose. 
All right, here we go. Let's dive into it. Why do we yawn and why is it contagious? Here we go. There's plenty of mysteries around this about the human body. Yawning is no exception. We typically think yawning is an indication that we're tired or bored, but some people report yawning more frequently when exercising or singing. So it's not just a sign that you're sleepy or bored. Oh, dude, I yawn all the time when I exercise. why Why do we yawn? I don't get it. Um, but also it seems that it can be contagious. Oh, sorry. So so contagious, in fact, that you don't even have to see another person yawning to yawn yourself. Sometimes all it takes is just hearing a yawn or thinking about one. You may even be yawning right now. Yawn. <laughs> How many people am I putting to sleep in a car ride right now? Maybe we should have saved this question for the end. <laughs> Note to self, do not listen to this podcast while driving, <laughs> at least this segment. <laughs> okay, so let's dive into why we yawn first before we discover why it's contagious. So basically, why we yawn, uh, experts classify this is from uh, an article by Katie McCollum from Houston Katie Methodist Learning Medicine on Health. Experts classify yawns into two types of yawn that occurs on its own, which is called spontaneous yawning, or it also can be contagious yawning when you see somebody else do it, basically causing you to yawn. So, yes, it is contagious, but why? We got to dive into it. Okay, here we go. Oh, got a big, oh, there it was, there it was. There there it was, first one. (laughs) Let's keep track. Here's what the article states. As it turns out, we really don't know why we yawn weird see i told you i'm not gonna have a whole lot of answers here (laughs) some theories however are that yawning helps wake your body up bring more oxygen into your bloodstream aka brain um keep your lung tissue lubricated or it may help your brain temperature regulate Hmm. which when i was growing up i mean it's always like kind of just a myth versus fact you know like i was always told like the brain needs oxygen that's why you yawn you know yeah, that's kind of what I heard, too, is like you yawn when you're not breathing enough, basically, or your oxygen is low and you're kind of just yeah. slouching and, you know, that sort of stuff. Yes, yes. So basically, one of the theories are that it regulates brain temperature and the brain operates best when it's running at an optimal temperature. So if it's running warm, for instance, um, your cognition can suffer. As a result, the body has several ways to change and regulate the temperature of the body and also the brain, which can include sweating, shivering, widening and narrowing of blood vessels, and triggering behaviors that cause you to seek cooler or warmer air. (laughs) So basically, your brain subconsciously will tell you to go someplace cool if it's too hot or vice versa. If you're too cold, it'll tell you to go somewhere warm. This is an, an example of this is swimming in the pool in the summer heat or putting on some cozy socks in the winter. But the body of research supports this theory. Not only have animal studies shown that yawns are often preceded by rising temperatures in the brain and following by a reduction of these temperatures, but a correlation between ambient air temperature and the likelihood for people to yawn also exists. Um, basically, what they're saying is yawning also occurs in animals, which you've seen like a pet dog or cat yawn before, right? Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Um, diving over into a different article by Teresa Carey from um, PBS.org. There you go. 
excessive carbon dioxide and other chemical changes such as a drop in oxygen or increase in a compound called adenosine also cause act as yawn gates, quote unquote, said James Giordano, a new neurothesist, there you go, and neuroscientist at Georgetown. These chemicals send out a signal that triggers a yawn, basically. By yawning, we compress the muscles of the face, driving oxygen-enriched blood to the brain. Hmm. So that's just a bunch of people backing up the fact that we think that the brain needs to regulate its temperature or increase its oxygen flow, basically, is what the main beliefs are for why we yawn. Interesting. Which, I mean, it all makes sense, but none of this can be actually proven, apparently. So (laughs) So we don't know why we yawn. Oh, we're getting there. We're oh. going to get there. <laughs> um, I got a little ways to go yet. Oh, boy. Uh, All right. Strap him back in. Okay. There was a Zhu Feng Chen, director at Washington University Center for the Study of Itch, has conducted research on social scratching in mice. This is basically like, why is it contagious? Now we're diving into so when showed a video of a mouse scratching itself to other mice, the mice began their own scratching within five seconds, reflecting the behavior of the mouse that was scratching itself. They were five times as likely to uh, imitate the scratching related to control animals. So normal mice just in a pen not being showed a video, basically. So he said, Chen said, when animals mimic, mimic each other, they most must be recognizing a useful behavior without thinking they decide this behavior must be useful. So I better do it. Chen said that this behavior could save energy and protect animals against disease. For example, since wild animals don't live in sanitized environments and are often exposed to biting and stinging insects that could carry disease, this mimicking could be helpful to helping them to ward off an infection. Social bonds too may be enforced by yawning and other forms of imitative, imitative behavior. He said, so yeah, interesting there that you can show a video of a mouse scratching itself and other mice want to scratch, scratch. themselves because they, uh, they think it might be a useful behavior. So that's one uh, given example of why we might copy people yawning because they think it's a behavioral help, a helpful behavioral tactic. Hmm. So diving back into this other article by Houston Methodist. Katie McCollum. Similar to the mystery surrounding why we yawn, experts also really aren't sure why yawns are so contagious. What is known is that spontaneous yawning, for whatever reason it may occur, is an ancient evolutionary considered behavior shared among many vertebrate animals. Contagious yawning, however, seems to be isolated to just a few animals, including non-human primates and domestic dogs. So the only people that or the only things that it said yawning is contagious to, or the only species that can are contagious of yawning is basically humans, uh, primates, and domestic dogs. <laughs> that seems very strange that dogs are in there. Because there's a lot of different other animals that can uh, that do yawn. Uh, examples of that would be cats. Um, and I actually did research on sharks apparently can yawn as well. What? Some sharks. Sharks? Yeah. yeah, no joke. They don't. They breathe yeah, through their said, gills, though. Yeah, but it says they'll have like a long breath of whatever. I don't know. Interesting. It's, I read it something that I read something on one of these articles. You read you, something on the internet, so it's got to be true. No, it was on one of these two articles. I'm telling you the truth. Huh. Uh, maybe I'll find it as I continue to read here. 
It's the most fascinating thing I've heard in a week. In the contents of the brain cooling theory of yawning, perhaps yawning evolved to become contagious as a means to increase the cognitive performance and vigilance of people within a group. While this may sound silly in today's world, it could have been more important collective behavior in a cave-dwelling ancestors who needed to stay alert as a group in order to survive. So because we are all from the cave men, we're ancestors. Uh, uh. <laughs> However, those who dismiss this site physiologically relevant theory of yawning still do do still believe that the behavior has been conserved throughout evolution because of a social effect. Specifically, these experts believe that yawning plays a role in social communication, that it's a sign of some internal state of mind. Perhaps yawning did truly help our ancestors say this is this experience is unpleasant, but not alarming. AKA in today's world, I'm bored. So that's why some people think that yawning's about they're being bored. Basically. All right. In a recent, also another recent study, uh, we're more likely to experience contagious yawning when we are with our closest acquaintances rather than strangers. So that's why I said, Chip, that because I'm reading this article, you're more likely to catch a yawn than if somebody random was reading this article to you. Up to two right now. (laughs) So a little thing going forward of... Basically, what I'm finding out about why we why we yawn is that it, it still isn't 100% proven, but there's a couple different theories out there. And as far as why it's contagious, it could be because of like a long developed habit of why it's contagious as far as like we copy what other people are doing because what they're doing obviously might be helping them in that situation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we copy that. So uh, Or it like just if- might be... Uh, personality mirroring I was going to say especially like Ah, (gasps) the struggles of not seeing each other's faces if you don't know we are not together Uh, (laughs) I was going to say like you said you seem to be more contagious or yawns are more contagious when it's with someone you trust yes so I think it's kind of maybe like subconsciously like oh I trust this person they're yawning so I think I'm free to do so Yes. So next time you yawn, Chip, think about whether you're tired, bored, or neither, as well as whether you're yawning on your own or yawning because it's on your mind. You may even try to decide for yourself which theory of yawning you believe in most. Dun, dun, dun. Hmm. I don't believe in any of them. Just kidding. But anyway, I was going to get into uh, what is it called personality mirroring. So like, for instance, the group of people that you surround yourself with, whether that's a friend group or whatever it might be, or the people that you're around the most, apparently humans or most types of animals even tend to copy what the other people are like in that group. So for instance, like um, I'll leave this anonymous, but like there's people that I know that act completely different when we're around a certain group of people than if they're just around, you know, just like a small group of people, just like, like my family, for instance, like when pe- some people around my family, they act one way. And then I see them in a social setting with other people and they act completely different. Talking about me. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm not. No, I'm not at all. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's a lot of people. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you might, you might hang it. Like you might be a 35 year old male. This is just like a, a, an example. 
and you might be super responsible, have kids, you're at home, you're the ultimate dad, but then you go and hang out with some college friends for a weekend and you revert back to uh, the behavior that you normally have with them and go out and party and get super drunk and stuff like that. So like that's personality mirroring. You kind of have an effect on the body or the mind to revert to whatever everybody else is doing. So if you hang out with irresponsible people, you're more likely to be irresponsible. Have you ever seen the movie The Other Guys with Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg? Yes. <laughs> I don't remember the whole thing with Will Ferrell, but he used to be like a, a pimp or something. Yeah, he used to be a pimp. <laughs> and then he's having dinner and he, like, it starts flashing back to him with something. I don't remember why. But he's like, Gator needs his gut. And then he says stuff to his wife that he's never said before. Yeah, because he reverted back to his pimping yes. because something triggered that. Yes. Yeah, that's basically like personality <laughs> mirroring. And uh, yeah. So the last thing I'm going to say, if somebody, so not just, not it's not, it's proven that yawns aren't just the only thing that's contagious. Other things in society. Viruses. Like, well, no, no, not, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes. But I mean, like other things that people will do, like we just mentioned, like whole pimp thing, the whole drinking thing <laughs> with your college friends versus being super responsible when you're around your family, yada, yada, yada. If someone flashes you a nice smile when they're walking by, even without thinking of it, you're more likely to smile back. Do you know what? So if you want to be super cool and be like me, where you want to like manipulate people without them knowing that you're manipulating them, because I think that's fun, AKA people watching, walk through a store sometime and smile at them. Well, granted, it's hard now because we got masks on. Yeah. But like if you give somebody a smile as you're walking by, even if you don't know them, they'll probably be looking like all mad. And then all of a sudden they'll look at you and they'll, they'll smile back at you hmm. without yes. really trying, without so even knowing that they're doing it. Yeah. Basically Another- that's a form form of social communication and it appears that people who are more empathetic or are more likely to have this social mirroring this uh aka you chip yes it's made me think of something else that kind of pertains to this not necessarily but if you're out like at the mall and you walk by someone and you make eye contact and you nod at each other you're more likely to nod down to someone that you don't know and if you see someone that you know, like if you're passing someone in the hallway at school, you're more likely to not up. That is totally true for me. Yeah, Absolutely. I think it's true for most people. I don't remember where I read that. But then I started thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, that's totally true. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna be that guy now for like the next month that just like goes and manipulates people and see what their behaviors are. Yes. <laughs> but anyway. So to finish up the question on why we yawn, there's multiple different uh, theories on that. But as far as why is yawning contagious, we really don't have a terrific answer for it is what it comes down to. Like it could be that it's ancestral and it's a learned behavior. It could be that we're personality mirroring because we see other people do it because that like creates this thing in our brain that says, hey, they're doing it. And for survival, I need to do that too. So there's no real. Well, great. You just wasted 20 minutes of our time. Okay, bye. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, I answered the question that there is no answer. All right. Well, we'll come back segment two question and two. we'll find out what segment two, question two, find out what Chip's got next. <laughs> so what are we talking about today, Chip? What you're talking about? Animals. What about animals? More specifically, the national animals and more specifically why did some countries such as scotland 
have such a crazy national animal. I don't remember if... Uh, Are you going to enlighten us? I want that animal. Oh, yes, I will, but I want to keep you in suspense. Ooh, okay. I don't remember if you... Were you and I talking in we determined this or found this, or did I just randomly find it with Scotland's animal? I, I told you this. Okay. I found this on... on actually it's weird how i found this actually remember i sent a picture to you of a gogurt uh you know a thing of gogurt yes and this gogurt thing had like a weird fact on each tube the tube that i was allowing my kid to have all of a sudden i read it and it said this animal is the animal of scotland and i'm like what yeah, <laughs> this can't be real. So I had to find out picture, why. Looked it up, and it's actually real. <laughs> yeah, totally real. So you, you might already know this if you're listening. Should, should I announce it now? Yeah, sure. So their national animal is a unicorn, and I was like, unicorns what? aren't real. Yeah, I was like, what in the world? How did this come to be? So I was like, why? And then I told you I'm gonna find out why, and you're like, well, why do we have national animals anyway to begin with? Yeah, like what? What purpose do they even serve? Yeah, exactly. So I like, found out why. Outside of like knowing what they are, like they're not like a mascot. Nobody, no. you know what I'm saying? All right. So yeah, I, I kind of found the uh, answer to both of those. Let's dive in. So if you're not familiar, national animal, you know that's it's usually there's a bird or a mammal, sometimes a fish. It could be a combo of all three. Some places have like four or five animals. So, I mean, as an American, we all know our national bird is turkey. <laughs> that was the uh, the runner up. But the bald eagle. Or like in Minnesota, where we are. We know our, our state fish is the walleye. Or the state bird of South Dakota is the ringneck pheasant. There you go. So why? Why do we have those animals representing a state or a country? Do you know America, United States, has a national mammal now? Really? I I didn't really realize it. Like, I think I kind of knew, but I didn't. Do you know what it is? Want to take a guess? The what kind of bear is best? <laughs> black bear it's not a bear um probably like some sort of buffalo cow or um yeah i'm gonna go with those maybe a maybe a sheep uh close enough yeah it's the american bison as i would pronounce it or bison bison the bison is the national animal of the united states national hmm. mammal or animal well, I guess mammal or animal. No, probably probably mammal. Yeah, I mean, it's our animal is the, the eagle. eagle yeah. So why? Most nations, or I shouldn't say most, many of them have at least one to represent. So why? I found an article by a student at the London School of F- Economics and Political Science. So I think he's trustworthy. He got second place in a research competition for this. His name is Jin Tao Zhu. He said the idea of using animals goes all the way back to ancient times with totemism or totems, you know, like the the classic totems uh-huh. he stacked, yep. like usually like an owl or like a a bear, usually made out of wood. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought of something else just right now. <laughs> Is it relevant? 
No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah, like old tribes or groups of people would worship these animals as their ancestors or kind of like as a God that would, you know, protect them. So that's kind of how that started. And then I thought of another example of ancient Egyptians worshiped cats. So that's kind of how this idea started. I don't yeah, know. If sphinx. Is, yes. The sphinx. sphinx. Well, just cat. Yeah. They, I mean, they made a giant statue, but just cats in general, in Egypt were worshiped. I don't why, know. If, why are cows in India? I don't know. They're considered like holy or something. You can't eat cows in India. Yeah, I think that's more for yeah the religion Hindu. Well, I'm pretty sure if you kill a cow in India, you're like, well, that's because something bad happens. Yes. <laughs> anyway, I mean, so it goes back even longer. These were just some of the big examples of kind of how it started with worshiping. But in medieval times, the Middle Ages, around the 12th century, in England. They established the royal arms, so kind of their, their symbol, which features the lions, as you might know. It, they're golden lions on like a royal red background. They weren't necessarily the first to do it, but it's kind of a famous symbol, which they still use today. Three lions. There was at one point six lions, and then things down to three now is kind of the standard. But you might be thinking, wait. England and lions. There's no lions in England either. So how did that happen? Well, almost at about the same time. They captured them. They captured them. (laughs) Maybe. Almost around the same time on the other side of that. uh, Not a continent. The other continent. You know, China. They're kind of famous for dragons. They used a dragon as a symbol. Dragons aren't real. Yeah, exactly. That's not real either. So these are kind of like their banners. To represent the team, they're not, I'm gonna say teams, they're nations more for like almost like a battle, kind of like you'd see in Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings, you know, and they kind of march with their flag when they go to battle yep. or represent. Ride so, for Rowan! Yes. It's usually an animal. A little tangent. There was a rumor <laughs> when I was researching this that there were at one point three lions kept near the castle in England. I cannot confirm that anywhere else, so I don't know if someone has made that up, but it, <laughs> it could be true. They captured them. <laughs> yeah, so maybe that's what happened, but I also read that there were some sort of lines in England in the BC era, but they went extinct. But that was much before this. Anyway, so around the Middle Ages, as they call it now, medieval heraldry, or a herald, the system, the definition is, the system by which coats of arms and other Armorial bearings are devised, described, and regulated, became popular. So basically, representing your your country with a symbol. Animals became that symbol. The lion back then was still seen as a symbol of bravery and courage. And that's what England wanted to be known as. So they stuck with their lions, even though, like I said, there were no lions in England. They kind of wanted to be fierce and Mm -hmm. courageous. And yeah, and then as time went on, other nations also chose animals to be represented for, and they all kind of stuck to like the fierceness of an animal. So the Roman Empire of the 14th century had a black eagle on a yellow and gold background, which Rome still uses today. Um, their country, Italy, has a wolf, but 
I didn't go into that. But the, the classic looking Roman eagle is still used. So it all kind of started in the Middle Ages, basically as a banner system to represent the country. And there were studies done that having like a fierce animal could help encourage the people as a whole of that nation to be like, oh, my country is a lion. So I am strong like a lion sort of thing. Or I'm quick and something like an eagle, whatever eagles do. <laughs> so that, that's kind of jumps off a cliff. <laughs> yeah, I can fly like an eagle. Not the song. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, during that time, many were depicted or chosen because they wanted to be depicted by that animal. But then as we get closer to the modern era, nations has kind of started choosing animals that represented their country specifically that were native there like Costa Rica their national animal is a sloth and Canada has a beaver not quite quite the fierce level that you would see but it's a good representation like if you think beaver like ah, somewhere north Canada probably so that's kind of how it, how it uh, came to be now it's just an animal that is basically native to your land. There are still oh, man, native land. Yes. So it started as a banner system to, you know, kind of encourage your people has turned into like a representation. Country. Yeah. Just so. being like, Hey, I want an animal too. Well, we have beavers here. Sounds good to me. All right, so then Scotland. There's a yeah, lot. we got to get into the Scotland. <laughs> we got to get to the Scotland. So that was kind of the backstory of why we use animals. But Scotland, they're like, well, I want a unicorn. <laughs> why? <laughs> why? Why Scotland? So there are uh, other countries that also use mythical mythical creatures. Lebanon has a phoenix. Wales has a red dragon. You might recognize their flag. They have the red dragon on it. I think it's kind of like a creamy white. With a green Wait, bottom. Isn't the phoenix considered a god? A phoenix is a uh, a bird that bursts know, into flames I, and dies and comes back. Yeah, but I thought like it's considered godlike too. Like, like the god of Ra. Oh yeah, and Ra's yeah. the god of the sun. Basically. And, like the, the Phoenix thing. related to that? Yeah, probably. I think so. Okay, continue. Sorry. No, that's fine. So why? Why the unicorns of Scotland specifically? According to the Scotsman, their their title is a new source you can trust since 1817, so I'm going to trust it. stated that according to folk- folklore, the lion and the unicorn hated each other, a tradition going back to the ancient Babylonians in 3500 <laughs> BC. I get it now. So, yes, Scotland and England, you know, they're on the same island type thing. So the Scots were like, well, if you're a lion... We want to be your enemy and use a unicorn. And at the time, unicorns were not like <laughs> today's in today's world. The unicorns are always like rainbowy and glittery. <laughs> uh, that's not what they were back then. They, they were, like tie tie like things on horses' heads to like spear their enemy. Uh, that would have been no. smart. That would have been smart. They maybe they, they would have won the wars. Maybe they did use narwhal tusks. As a cover-up for unicorn horns, though. Like when they find them. The unicorn of the sea. Yes, basically. Uh, Back then, unicorns were seen as symbols of purity, innocence, and power. 
the pure innocence is probably still relevant today, but the power, maybe not so much now. But they were seen as like big, strong horses, not quite like a Clydesdale, but something big and strong with a horn that was used to cleanse areas. There is an ancient story of a snake that poisoned a water supply, and a unicorn came along and dipped its horn in to cleanse the waters for all the other animals to drink. So the unicorn is seen as kind of an independent animal, but it's willing to help others. So the Scots were like, yeah, that's us. We want to be a unicorn. So through the strength. Describes us very well. Yes. So through the strength, independence, purity, and willingness to help others, the Scots chose. I just repeated myself, but yes, they chose the unicorn. And also on top of. It's the lion's mortal enemy. So that is why they have chosen the unicorn, which is still used today. But I have two additional fun facts that kind of go off of this. Fun fact number one, unicorns were believed to be real until 1825. (laughs) (laughs) A French naturalist, Georges Cuvier, determined that a split hoof animal such as a horse could never grow a single horn from his head. So that, that was a bummer for the Scots. And then fun fact number two. In 1603, King James VI of Scotland became, became King James I of England and united the two nations, which is known as the Union of Crowns. They didn't become one nation, but they were ruled under the one person. So then King James' new symbol featured a unicorn and a lion side by side under a crown, which is still seen around today. Wow. Yes. So there you have it. The unicorn and the lion. A tale as old as time. Pretty much. Not quite as fun as the hot dogs, but found it I really thought this was going to be like some Something crazy weird. ass story, but no, this is all yeah, very like. <laughs> it all, makes, all sense. makes sense now. Yeah. Like, this is actually very logical, everything uh-huh. that they did behind deciding on this. Yeah. Whereas I was thinking they were going to be like, well, we love our daughters, so we decided to go. <laughs> yes. yes, or two uh, nobles got drunk and are like, ah, let's make our animal a unicorn. Let's do Their it, Their horns John. can pierce the sky. <laughs> yep. Yep, not quite the unicorns you see today. Not the quite. Uh, not the quite. So good research there, Chip. Thank you. Why? Why? All right, I just I, I just can't help but think that. <laughs> it's too funny. Well, hopefully you yawn, and hopefully you'll learn something today on the Fish and Chip Podcast. We will be back again Bye. next week with some more questions. Remember, check us out on Twitter at Fish and Chip Pod. Hit us up if you want us to talk about any topics that you come to mind that you want to know some stuff behind or think that it would be or something you might actually know already that you want us to have to research and find out about that everybody else should benefit from. Yes. On Fish and Chip Pod, at Fish and Chip Pod on Twitter. We're on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Machine, Amazon, most places you get podcasts. I want to add bit. a uh, asterisk real quick. All this information you've heard is as accurate as we think it is. It might not be 100% accurate. <laughs> yep, that's our disclaimer. Yeah, disclaimer, that's the word. I just want to throw it out there. So if you uh, want to go do a book report now, do not <laughs> take us word for word. Exactly. Well, it's close Don't enough. You- don't use this on 
don't cite us. At don't least don't cite us. us. <laughs> All right. We'll be back next week. Same time. New questions. Fish and Chapad. Bye. Bye, Dan. Thank you.